My name is Eddie, in case you didn't meet me last year. Um, I am a student at London Seminary. Um, I'm training there. I'm in my second year and I will have two more years there until I finish. Um, and yes, if you didn't meet me last year, I was here for a very short placement um, for three weeks just before lockdown. Um, and it was great to be with you all at that time. Um, and so, yeah, Alistair's asked me to give a little update. Um, and I have to say there's not a great deal happened over the last year. Um, lectures moved straight online as soon as lockdown began. So really grateful for God that I could continue to learn um, and continued preaching responsibilities at Arnold Road, um, continued to get in what we could do. Um, we managed to start up, back up some of the children's activities um, and just some various other things. Um, so, um, yeah, it's just mainly been a year of just learning, um, spending time, getting to know God more. Um, really grateful for the Lord leading me in the last year. Um, and so just three things just to pray for me, just to ask you. We all need prayer in our house, don't we? Um, first of all, just to continue praying in my studies um, and learning um, the word of God and learning um, training and um, to be a pastor. Um, continuing service at Arnold Road. Please pray for us at Arnold Road, as, especially as we'll pray for you in as lockdown restrictions, um, you know, come to relax and we get back to normal activity please pray that God will be working in our hearts moving us out to keep serving him to get back out there to be witnessing for him um, bringing seeing many souls being saved both at Arnold Road here at Hollywell all around the world and um, please pray for my personal godliness I just know so much each day how much I need to rely on God and um, to keep growing me to keep working in me by his spirit and the same all of us we, we know that need of God to be working in our lives so please pray for that too. Right. As we come to God's word this morning, let's just come before him again in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come into your presence. We can come and hear from you on a Sunday, on your Lord's Day. We thank you so much that you've opened our eyes and opened our hearts to, to hear from you, to, to, to know you, that you've revealed yourself to us. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would just reveal more of yourself to us. And if even for the first time here, that um, you would open deaf ears and hard hearts and open the eyes of the blind and work that great miracle of salvation amongst us. Bring people to Christ. May he be glorified amongst us this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. So as we begin, um, please turn back in your Bibles, if you have one, to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to be focusing on verses 18 and 19 of that chapter. And I'm just going to read those uh, verses to you again. So 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. I wonder this morning, is the blood of Christ precious to you? Do you cherish the blood of Christ? Do you love it? Do you treasure it, treasure it marvel at it, delight in it? Is Jesus Christ and his blood precious to you. Well, in order to consider this question, we, we've turned to Peter's first epistle, 
um, where he wrote to persecuted Christians, Christians who needed encouraging to live for God in their times of trial. These Christians were in much worse circumstances than ours because many of them had to flee from their homes, from their regions even, to somewhere else, far from where they lived before, because people were seeking to kill them, even for their faith. So they needed encouragement at this time of their suffering, motivation to continue on in the Lord. And what better place could they look than to their Father and to the Son, Jesus Christ? Just look with me at verse um, 3 of our chapter again. Um, And I'll just read it for you. See where he turns their focus. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Those early Christians had such a great God, such a great hope, a living hope, the hope of an everlasting inheritance through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, kept in heaven for them. And if you're a Christian here this morning, that same inheritance is kept in heaven for you too. Despite the various trials that we might be facing in our lives, we have this great living hope of eternal life with the Father and with the Son his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But then Peter continues, you know, it'd be great, it's such a great opening, but he continues his letter and he begins to talk about how this hope was to produce holy living. So, for instance, in verse 13, they were to prepare their minds for action and to be self-controlled. They were to be active, knowing what was in store for them in the future. Then in verses 14 to 16, they were called to be obedient to the Lord, not living in their former sins, but to be holy as God is holy. And then in verse 17, it says that they were to live their lives as strangers, as those living in a foreign land. We don't belong here. They were to serve the Lord with reverent fear, seeking to honour him in all that they hid in, did in, this, in their time on earth. And so this great hope of an eternal inheritance was to motivate them to, for, to live godly lives, even as it cost them here on earth. And equally for us, whether we are facing trials right now or not, we too are to serve and obey the Lord as we are motivated by that eternal inheritance that is ours in him. However, it's not the purpose of this sermon to go into our obedience in any kind of detail. It's not my purpose this morning. I hear you're learning about the Ten Commandments in the evenings, and and so I assume you've had a lot of um, preaching on obedience at the moment, so I'm not too afraid not to stress that this morning. Rather, this message is, is to motivate us to obedience. It is to stir us up to obey the Lord, to live for him, to devote our lives to him. But we're going to focus in particularly on verses 18 and 19. Peter's given one great thing for us to look to, to look forward, to look forward to the, that eternal inheritance, and that's to motivate us to obey the Lord. But then in verses 18 and 19, he gives us another reason, another reason to look backwards, to look back to the cross, back to Christ, back to the gospel, 
back to the blood that was shed for us. And so this morning, we're going to see that our holiness, our devotion, our entire Christian lives, all of it is to be lived knowing that we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. I have three points for this morning, and they are as follows. So first, we're going to see we were once slaves to sin. Once slaves to sin. But then secondly, now we are redeemed in Christ. Now we are redeemed in Christ. And then we'll see just how precious is the blood. How precious is the blood. So let's begin. We were once slaves to sin. Let's start there at the beginning of verse 18, where we see that little word that comes so often in our Bibles, that little word, for. And this little word in this context, it's being used because the author's going to reason with us. He's going to explain why we are meant to be living these holy lives in obedience to the Lord that he's just been speaking of. Before we obey, there is something we must know, something we need to consider, to meditate upon, to keep at the front of our minds. Before we take action in the Christian life, we must prepare our minds by focusing on something important, of vital importance. And so verses 18 and 19 are telling us what to focus on. Before we obey the Lord, we are to know that we have been redeemed, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. So, well, let's consider this. What does this word redeemed mean? It comes in the middle of the verse. What, what, what is that speaking of? Well, we might think of a hostage situation. Someone's been taken captive by someone else. And in order for that person to be released, a ransom has to be paid, a price for the captive's freedom. And so to be redeemed, to be saved out of that situation, that price, that ransom price has to be paid. You've be, they get to be rescued out of their captivity. They are redeemed. And in the Bible times, this word was only used slightly differently. Um, slaves were the ones held captive in those times. The Romans used to force people to work for them. But if someone paid that ransom price, the slave could go free. They were no longer bound to serve their master anymore. They had been redeemed. They were set free. So what does this look like to us then? None of us here are slaves. Um, yet the Bible says that we've been redeemed. But redeemed from what? Well, in verse 18, it says that we've been redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from our forefathers. The original readers of this letter would have known what this would have meant, regardless if whether they were a Jew or a Gentile at this time. You know, the Jews would have inherited false traditions from their fathers, empty ways of salvation, empty ways of viewing the law, seeking through to earn God's favour through external rites and rituals. But then the Gentiles also, they would have inherited things from their parents, that their idols, that their ways of living, their own false gods, so they would have been caught up in empty ways too. And this might sound all a bit distant to us. 
you know, Jewish traditions, idolatry. None of us grew up in those ways. But what empty ways have been handed down to you in your life? We all inherit things from our parents, not just our genetics, but behaviours too, our ways of living. Some of us may have been brought up religious. Perhaps we learnt the ways of their beliefs, their religion, and went along with them. Or perhaps they weren't religious at all, but they still had their take on the world, the things they believed, their morals, their ideals. Perhaps some of those things have passed down to us. However, the Bible says that all of these ways are empty. They're not honouring to God. It's not holy living. And you know, there's an even more serious problem than our external way of living. We must realise that our sin is, much, is as much of an internal problem as it is an external one. We see this in verse 14, where it speaks of evil desires. Not just externals, not just tradition, but desires, passions. Sin stems from within. Sin is a desire issue. It's not just doing the wrong thing. It's wanting to do the wrong thing, desiring the wrong thing. Let me give you some examples. So, coveting, the Tenth Commandment. Coveting is that desire to own something that's not yours. But even more, it's more than that. It's being greedy for for possessions, to, to love material things, to want the next thing, or to maybe you didn't even want it. You just saw it and suddenly, I want that. It's that desire in us that thinks we, could, we, we would be happy if we just had that extra thing. Or malice. Malice is desiring ill of someone, wanting someone else to feel pain. Maybe they've hurt you, and so you want revenge. But, no, no, I wouldn't stoop that low to hurt them, but I'd feel so much better if I could. It's that desire, that wanting to do it. Lust. Lust is desiring sexual pleasure from someone who's not your spouse. To please yourself at their expense. To treat them as just a body made for your satisfaction. And then pride. Pride, desiring to build ourselves up, to boast in ourselves at the expense of someone else, to put them down in our mind, to think less of them. Also, we can feel good about ourselves. All of this shows us that sin is a desire problem, not just a behavior problem. And the Bible says that we're all born slaves to sin. Slaves to our desires and passions. This might not seem much of a problem. Some people might even not care. You know, we can live lives the way we want to. We can live for pleasure. But it's not much, or it is a problem when you realize that sin leads to death. The cost of our sin is death. All these sinful desires are detestable in God's sight. They don't honour him at all. And as a result, we deserve the eternal punishment. And so if we're enslaved to sin and sin leads to death, well, then there's no way out. We're chained to it. 
Perhaps you've tried to give up sin yourself. Perhaps you know you're doing something that that is displeasing God and you're trying to break free over and over, but you're still enslaved. That's because sin is enslaving by nature. It holds us hostage and it will not let us go. No one can break free from the slavery to sin by their own strength. We cannot set ourselves free at all. We need someone to pay the price, someone to redeem us from our slavery, to break the chains, that we might escape the judgment and have eternal life with God forever. And that someone is Jesus Christ. He has paid the price for our sins with his own precious blood. And so this moves us on to our second point this morning. We're now redeemed in Christ. We are now redeemed in Christ. The only one thing that can redeem us from our sin is the precious blood of Christ. Not silver or gold, as our passage mentions. Not anything we can own. Not anything physical. But the precious blood of Christ. But now you might be wondering, what's blood got to do with sin? Why is blood the payment? Like, how can we be redeemed by blood? It sounds pretty grim, to be honest. Imagine a hostage situation, but instead of demanding for money or gold, they demand blood. You'd be pretty freaked out. Like, why would they want blood? We, we could pay them money, but blood? Um, uh, this is really weird. But you see, all of this talk of blood wouldn't have been strange to the original hearers, especially the Jews. At the end of verse 19, it speaks of how the blood was like that of a lamb, without blemish or defect. This is partly a reference to the old old covenant sacrificial system that was there. And so every day, these spotless lambs were slaughtered in the temple as sin offerings to the Lord. It was gruesome and bloody, but it was the normal part of Jewish life. But this reference to a lamb, it goes far past that. It goes back to Israel's uh, redemption from Egypt, the Exodus and the Passover. We read in the book of Exodus that the people of Israel were held captive in Egypt. They were slaves. They needed someone to redeem them, someone to set them free. And this is exactly what the Lord did. He rescued them from that slavery in Egypt. He redeemed them. But then there's even more to the story. As on that night that they they were saved, every Israelite household had to offer up a lamb without blemish or defect. They had to slaughter this lamb and sprinkle its blood over the doorposts. And so wherever there was the blood over the house, there was salvation, protection, redemption. This redemption of the Jews from their slavery in Egypt, this is but a picture of our salvation, our need for salvation from our slavery to sin. The Israelites were rescued from their slavery, but we need a greater redemption. We need a ransom price to be paid to rescue us. We need a lamb to be slain for us too. But do you see, 
Our lamb is even greater than the one they had. Our lamb was not a lamb at all, but a spotless human being, perfect and blameless. The blood that redeems us from our sins is the precious blood of Christ. And so now with that word Christ, we're taken to another Old Testament theme of the Christ, the the Messiah. This was a title frequently used in the Old Testament to refer to an anointed one, someone set apart for their service to God. And most often this was a term used of Israel's kings. They were anointed when they became king. But there was also an expectation among the Jews that one would come who would be their true king, that would come in that kingly line to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. And so when Jesus takes up this title of Christ, it is to say he is the true king of Israel, the truly anointed one who was set apart to save his people. And how did he save his people? Through suffering. Peter mentions this in verses 10 and 11 of our passage. I'm going to read that section to you again. So in verses 10 and 11. Concerning this salvation, this redemption, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest, the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. If anything summed up the Old Testament message, it is this, that the Christ had to suffer first and then enter into his glory. The sufferings of Christ were essential to the plan of redemption. The Christ had to shed his blood. He had to die on a cross This was the service he was dedicated to. As Isaiah 53 says, he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. The Lord's suffering servant who would die as a ransom for many. Without his death, we would still have to pay that ransom price. We would still be slaves to sin. We would still be waiting to face that judgment of eternal death. Without the death of Christ, there is no death of sin. But Christ has died. Tis finished. The Messiah dies. He has paid the ransom price in full. And now anyone who believes in him can be saved, will be saved. So do you believe in this Jesus, this Christ? Do you know and trust in his blood poured out for you? Do you know the forgiveness of sins? Do you know the redemption from slavery to sin? This is what he offers. This is what he's accomplished. This is what he offers to us for free this morning to come to him and receive this great salvation, this great redemption from our sins. Have you found forgiveness through the blood of Christ? Well, if you have, then surely this blood is precious to you. Isn't that what our passage is saying? You've been redeemed with The precious blood of Christ. Have you thought of that before? We're not just considering the blood of Christ, but the precious blood of Christ. 
Is his blood precious to you? So now we come to our final point for this morning. Precious is his blood. Precious is his blood. Perhaps we need to consider what this this really means, this preciousness. So let me give you an illustration. Imagine you're walking along the streets and you spot a stone on the floor. And, well, it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's nothing special. It's just a stone. There are multitudes of them. They're, they're everywhere. They're all around. It's so common. It's you know, somewhat meaningless, really. If you, if you want, you could pick up this stone, take it home. But it's not worth anything. It's just an ordinary stone. Nothing special. But now imagine you go into a jeweler's. And as you walk in, you see all these magnificently cut stones, diamonds, emeralds, rubies, sapphires, These stones are flawless. They're beautiful, sparkling, glistening in the light. You can't just walk away with one of these. They're expensive. They're worth a lot of money. These stones are valuable. And if someone bought one for you, well, you'd be really pleased to receive such a special gift from them. No wonder these stones are worth a lot more than just some ordinary stone on the street. How much more precious then and valuable then is the blood of Christ? His blood is far more valuable than silver or gold or any precious stone or anything you could own in this world. These things might be worth a lot, but they could never pay for sin. Neither could the blood of lambs in the Old Testament All of that was pointing to something far more precious. Only the precious blood of Christ, the spotless lamb of God, the flawless, perfect, beautiful lamb of God. Only he could redeem us from our slavery to our sin. And so when you think of Jesus Christ and the gospel, is his blood precious to you? Do you love the blood of Christ? Do you cherish it? Is it your most precious possession above everything else? The precious blood of Christ. It's one thing to know all of this in your head. You know, you can know your Old Testament scriptures and the predictions of the suffering Messiah. You could learn verses and quote them. You can know all four gospel accounts of Jesus' death. You can hear the story every single Easter, year after year. You can understand the theology of the cross from the epistles. You can work it all out in your head, connect verses together. But is his blood precious to you? Is Christ precious to you? Do you cherish how the blood has saved you? from an eternity of suffering and judgment and hell, that Christ would go through that for you? Have you been washed by the precious blood of Jesus? Has it cleansed you from all your sin? Yes, all sin. Every last drop has been paid. The entire ransom has been paid in full. Not one sin is left for you to pay. You're not going to get to heaven and there's still... Uh, uh, um, what do they get? Uh, um, I've forgotten. 
at restaurants, the bill. There's no bill to pay when you get there. It's not going to suddenly appear out of nowhere. It's all been paid in full. Jesus has paid it all. Do you believe this? Do you enter into the holy place with the, through the precious blood of Christ? Do you delight that you now have fellowship with the Father? Not because you've managed to get your way there and you, you just so happen to find yourself there because, no, you, you believe in Christ. He's brought you in. He's brought you into fellowship with his very own Father. The times in prayer you can spend with him. All bought for you by his precious blood. Is the blood your precious remedy against Satan? Do you love how the blood defies his every, every accusation? Every single time Satan comes to you and reminds you of your sin, just point him to the precious blood of Christ and he'll have nothing left to accuse you of or say. And do you walk in freedom, the freedom that is yours in the blood? Do you realize that Christ has set you free? You do not need to struggle your way to freedom. You are already released from captivity through his blood. He's already redeemed you. So much more about the blood of Christ that is precious to us. So much more in the scriptures that we can go and learn of and treasure. We can just, we could learn memory verses or we could treasure memory verses. Is that what we're doing? Are we finding these, these verses in the Bible precious to us? Finding Christ and his blood precious to us. We could never exhaust the worth of the Bible and this great gospel that he has given to, to us. And even more, into eternity, we will behold the lamb that was slain. We'll behold him there forever and ever. This is the blood of the eternal covenant. We have been purchased by the lamb to know him forever and ever. We'll be forever in his presence and he'll be most precious to us for all eternity. So do you know this lamb that was slain for you. If not, then come to him this morning. Be set free from your sin even today. He is willing to save even the worst of sinners, even the most wretched of hearts. If you know the sinfulness of your sin, then you can know the preciousness of the blood. Maybe you already know this. Maybe you already have received the blood. Well, if that's you, take heart again. Rejoice again in the precious blood of Christ that has redeemed you from a life of sin to an eternity of knowing God. We have been redeemed not by silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. So to conclude, is his blood precious to you? Do you cherish Christ and the cross? Do you look upon him and love him for all that he has done for you? This is what we need in our Christian lives, a sight of the Saviour, not just knowledge of him, but a joy, a taste, a delight in the one who has loved us and gave himself up for us. Recently, I've begun to read the biography of the late R.C. Sproul, one of the great theologians of our time, and in the preface it mentions the last sentence of his final sermon, and this is what he said. 
I pray with all my heart that God will awaken each one of us today to the sweetness, the loveliness, the glory of the gospel declared by Christ. And it's my prayer for us today that we would be awakened to the preciousness of Jesus Christ and his blood shed for us. This is the price it cost him to redeem us from our empty ways and sinful passions. His blood is enough to cleanse us from all our sins and set us free. Oh, how we need to treasure his blood, to glory in it, to rejoice in the sweetness and loveliness of the Saviour, who has provided such a great salvation as this. If you're not a Christian here this morning, well, what more can you ask of God to give? The Father sent his only Son into the world as a ransom for your sins, for everything that you've done wrong in your life, for every time you followed your own passions and desires. Sin holds you hostage. It will drag you to your death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. He sent his Son to set you free to offer his blood in the place of yours, to die the death you deserve, we all deserve, all that you may know him. What more can he give to you than his own precious son? Why would you reject him? Why die in your sins when you can know the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ? And Christian, treasure the precious blood of Christ all the more, every day. Don't move on from the blood. Don't leave it behind as if it's no longer relevant anymore. It's just as valuable to you today as the day you first believed. Our entire lives depend on the blood. Everything, every moment, from now until eternity. It's all blood bought, all redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, purchased by God and for God. And so come again to the fountain for fresh cleansing today. Every day, serve God knowing he's redeemed you. Keep the gospel at the forefront of your mind. Christ has bought you with his precious blood. And so dedicate your all to him and serve him, knowing that you are his forevermore. May all of us here today know that we have been redeemed, not by silver or gold but by the precious blood of Christ, who deserves all the honour and glory forever and ever. Amen.